Hey Warriors, and welcome back to another episode with Warrior Within. I hope you guys have been having a great week. I hope you guys had time to think about what we talked about last week, and I hope you were challenged about it. Because we know how hard it is to be patient. We understand how hard it is to be patient when it's hard. But in the long run, it's been a really beautiful thing to see how God can do, or what he could do during those times of hardship, when we understand that he is being involved. Now I think about one of my friends who has been going through a lot from probably the end of 2020 to all the way now with just different things coming over from her husband having COVID to her son getting a pretty bad accident where now he's paralyzed like down to where his, her two youngest kids were pretty sick to one of them who's about to have surgery because there's a bump in her eye. Like, it's just so much stuff that she has been going through. But the best thing has been watching her grow in Christ through it. Just just trusting him, seeing him, and believing in him, even though all she wants to do is cry. At the same time, like, I'm asking you guys, can you please pray for a friend of mine? Her husband, Justin, is basically fighting for his life from COVID right now. Uh, he had ups and downs. He's had, good, like, he's been good, but it's just... It's just not looking that great right now. And I've already had two people who have died who I've known when I was younger, but this is someone, you know, I met through gaming and her husband, you know, it's just like everybody else who's lost somebody, someone she loves really much, and they have two kids. And right now what we need to see is God's just hand come in and just heal his lungs and so that he can get back on track, that he can breathe on his own. So you have time today, and if you're listening, make sure you take time to pray for Justin. And her name is Mindy, if you want to pray for her. Otherwise, uh, no, I'm still waiting on one thing for mortgage stuff. Um, Otherwise, it's just been waiting patiently, been going through my thoughts about how I want to start the church, and uh, just praying over things like that and just praying over the people that I may be able to reach when I get there to people who may be part of the staff even as volunteering to just seeking out what God really wants my wife and I to do as we build there and you know as much as I'm excited you know at the same time it is a bit of a nervous step because a lot of times people see something like what I'm doing and think, oh, it's just going to fail because I don't have a church behind me. I don't have organization behind me. All I have is the people that are supporting me, my wife, myself, and the Lord. And that's it. There's, there's, there's no big church that can get behind this because, you know, in some sense, we're going to become that big church. And I don't expect us to be a mega church because that's not what I want. But I am hoping to see people wanting to serve each other and love each other for the the name of Christ, not just to be kind to each other, but do it because they want to honor God in their everyday life. Which kind of comes to the point of what we're going to talk about today a bit, but, you know, we were brought up with the golden rule. And I know I probably have talked about this before, but we're actually going to go in even to the Old Testament about the Ten Commandments. So we've always been taught that, you know, the golden rule is to love your neighbor as yourself. We also emphasize that, and even funnier is that even non-believers believe in this one phrase in Scripture as kind of a principle or understanding to stand by. Because they understand that you hurt somebody, 
you're hurting somebody, you help somebody, you're helping somebody. They have an understanding. And we can give credit to God for that because we are created in his image. He's engraved in us an understanding about humanity and about, about what humans are. And the fact that people, some people, don't find value in humanity or in the human person is scary because they have to turn off something that God has given them. It's not that simple to say that, you know, they were born that way because they, they're not. They're born with a sin nature that we've talked about. We all have a sin nature. We all have that desire for just selfishness and self self-glorification to see ourselves become something amazing, right? When it comes down to it, in reality, if you were to remove the anger and the frustration that you might have, if you were to see a fellow human in trouble, it is engraved in us to want to help. Now, I do personally think that without the Holy Spirit, it's a benefit for ourselves to help others, to feel better about ourselves, to feel good about ourselves. When we have the Holy Spirit, because we, you know, we believe in Christ as our Savior, I think the Holy Spirit gives us a better and clarifying understanding of what it means to love our neighbor. And this is why. Because they focus so much on the second part of the phrase that Jesus says, which is love your neighbor as yourself, they ignore the first part. Now, there, it's found in different books of the Bible, but the one I like is Matthew the most. It's in Matthew 22, 34 through 40. And when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Then he also says in the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And these commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Okay, so we hear from even Christians to me that I would say more progressive Christians and even um, non-believers or people who at least believe that Jesus exists or believe the Bible could be true, um, they do stand on verse 39 100%. They will say, yes, you should love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's the right thing. You, You should never put someone lower than you should always treat people equally. Like that's where this all starts going into. This, this is where the love is love and, and we can't be telling people how they should live. We can't be telling a gay person that they, it's okay for them to live this way. We can't tell them that it's not. We can't tell someone who a boyfriend or girlfriend are living together. They shouldn't be doing that. That's because they love each other. They, that this is where that whole love concept, you know, you take just this verse and they start, making all these lines off of it of why it works you see as a christian and if you are a christian and even though you may be standing on the side that i'm talking about where you're just like yes love is love everything blah blah and you're following that view you have forgotten the first commandment that jesus said we are supposed to love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul 
and with all your mind. That implies also that everything that we have in scripture is also true. Which means if you are starting to say, well, the Bible has been rewritten so many times by people, so how do we know it's 100% true? Well, I've made the statement before, and I'm going to say it again. If you're telling me that God can't protect his word, then you're basically telling me that God has no capability of doing anything. Okay? God protects his word. He, he would not allow his scriptures to be messed up so badly that all this time Christians have been walking in this lie based on scripture alone. Now, if you were to add in all the other theological suggestions, the ideologies, the humanistic mindsets that we've created, the standards that were all man-made, that's not saying the scriptures were done wrong. That just means how we are interpreting it or emphasizing off the interpretation what we want it to mean to create and, and, and like basically an atmosphere that fits what we want versus what God wants is still very possible. Now, I, I was brought up in, in some ways in a Baptist, independent Baptist mind of teaching and biblically speaking, very sound. Now, the problems I started seeing were the standards. So, they did not allow anybody in high school to have facial hair. I don't know 100% why they didn't allow it, but a lot of it was because they treated people with beards or goatees or whatever as unkept. Okay, so a lot of men that were in these churches that were in leadership, whether they were pastors or not, most of them did not have facial hair. The other thing was that every Sunday you need to be wearing your your best because you should be wearing a tie shirt pants and coat like that that was the ideal look once again that's a standard that's not a biblical truth or ideology that's in scripture it does say we're standing before the lord in holiness but even if you wore the best clothing doesn't mean you are standing in the lord in holiness you see the other part of that mindset of teaching was also in music so I was taught that any music that had rock and roll connections or used drums of rock and roll was of the devil basically it was wrong it was sinful it was written by the Satan himself and so any Christian song that takes in such ideology of this rock and roll world was actually following the world that's also another standard that's not biblical 100% at all. And the big other one was drinking was all bad. Well, in scripture, it does not say drinking is all bad. It just says that getting drunk or putting yourself in a position where you can't morally make a call, you shouldn't be drinking that much. So I've made the choice, even though to, there's also a part of me that's an actual issue. When I drink anything with alcohol, all I taste is alcohol. Like literally, it feels like you gave me a bottle of rubbing alcohol and said drink it. 
but I've actively also made the choice that I don't want to drink. And doesn't mean I've never tried certain ones. Doesn't mean there's certain ones that are okay, but I have no desire to have alcohol in my life. I don't sit there and go home and say, man, I wish I could have a beer or I, I don't have any in my, in my home even right now. And it doesn't mean that I think drinking is wrong. If I go over your house and you have beers and all that, it wouldn't bother me. Um, as long as you have root beer, we can be good. You know, because that's, that's my form of quote, unquote, beer but the idea is that i want like standards have always been a thing now is it wrong to teach a form of standard to teach an understanding no but i will say when you overdo the standards to the point where you treat them as like holy words of god now you've crossed the line so is there christian music that could possibly be wrong or worldly, yes, because I've talked about it. Many songs that Hillsong does, many songs that uh, actually starting to forget their name because I don't even listen to a lot of the music anymore. Um, up all the churches that actually have music where they've been inviting a progressive movement ideology into their wordings to the point where it's like you and I can gain understanding of holiness in clarity of truth from ourselves. So is it possible, excuse me, to have kind of a corruption? Yes, it's very possible. Is it possible that maybe having a certain standard could keep people away for a time? It's very possible. Like telling, you know, guy and girl don't hold your hands, you can't kiss each other, but you can date each other in high school because they're more afraid that if they allow you to date, and touch and hold hands or kiss each other, then you will most likely have sex. That's that's the main gist of the whole thing. Is that 100% true? Is that a possibility? Yes. Is it 100% true? No. Doesn't mean every time some a guy or girl hold hands and then they may kiss, they're going to automatically get into the sex side. No. Accountability is a very vital part. Accountability means that you two can date. You guys can hold hands. You guys, if you wanted to kiss in front of us, that is fine. But accountability means that you are never alone with each other. If you go on a date, go in the car, you go to a public place. You maybe even bring friends. Doesn't have to be a chaperone because I really hate the chaperone concept. But it also means maybe... If you're starting to, it's the thing is the key thing is if if your child or young young person who's starting to date is starting to keep everything secret, that's a problem. Because if you think about it, if you're marrying somebody, and you know your daughter, she's she's finally gonna get married, they're not gonna keep the relationship secret from you. They're gonna be more open. So, if dating is supposed to be of a of kind of like so-called testing grounds for some people then it should be a very open relationship with you. So that guy is dating your daughter should be coming over for dinner. He should be sitting down talking to you, dad. He should be <clears throat> taking time to even talk with her, the mother or your wife. He should be involved in maybe inviting him for a Christmas activity or Thanksgiving. He should be involved more than just dating your daughter. 
But if he's all stand standoffish, he's keeping distance, he doesn't want you guys involved in their relationship, that's a red flag right there. Boom. So yes, standards can be vital. But you have to understand something about loving your neighbor as yourself, the first part and why it's important. You see... We can overboard on rules and regulations and concepts and standards, and we can create all of these rules to try to keep everybody safe, to keep yourself safe. You can create standards. You can remove people out of your life if you really wanted to. There's many things that we could do that's all related to standards. But how are you supposed to love someone when you don't even understand who you are yourself. Now, there's a lot of men who have this idea of what it means to be a man of God. They have this idea of what it means to be a man. They have this idea of what it means to be a father, a husband, a boyfriend, or even a leader. But the truth is, a lot of our ideology behind what we believe in all that is more towards what we've been brought up with, what we're told by other men, and what we see, what we hear, what we observe as a child and even as an adult. The movies we watch, TV shows we watch. So the problem is we never go to the source of understanding. So how are we supposed to have a better understanding of what it means to love our neighbor as ourself when we don't even spend any time with God? We don't spend any time allowing him to grow us. We never ask him to change us. Never ask him to build us up as men of God. See, that's where the problem comes in. And this is even for women too. This is what, what I see a lot when I start hearing love is love why should we intervene because love and love is love doesn't necessarily mean just homosexuality love is love can also mean you know a boyfriend and girlfriend living each other and they love each other and they've been with each other for two years so why should they be separated well in the eyes of the lord they've not made that commitment of marriage to one another so they're unequally bound because when you're not married it's easy just to walk away when things get hard See, there's a whole purpose behind the reasoning of saying that we can't just stand by the love is love concept. We can't stand behind love your neighbor as yourself and then skip the whole first half because the first half is vital to having a better understanding of what it means to love others. Now, I read the book, When God Wrote Your Love Story, and one of the things it says in there, the best person to go talk to is through the author of love. Why would we think that we have a better understanding of what type of woman we need want to have as a wife we never ask the one person who actually knows us the best god so why in the world would we think that we can love our neighbor as ourself when we never ask god how what does that look like well if you look at the first commandment the first thought is love the lord your god with all your heart soul and mind that it means everything Every aspect of your life, your mind, your heart, your spirit, your life choices, your direction, your job, the school you picked, the place you live, people you're around, 
the girl you're interested in, the wife you're married to. That means everything. It needs to start with loving God first. You need to give everything to him. And then you'll have a better understanding of how to love others. And that includes loving your wife, loving your kids, loving your girlfriend, loving your friends, loving your family, loving a stranger, caring for someone who's hurting, listening to someone who's hurting, helping other men in your church, helping other men in your neighborhood, helping other men in your community, your job, being a better leader for yourself, being able to lead your family right. Starts with the verse before. Starts with loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So we're going to take a quick break and then we'll continue on in this thought. I'll see you in a moment. Hey, warriors, and welcome back. We've been talking about the great commandments, and we're also going to—we've been talking about standards and ideologies and the twisting that we have created to kind of create the the mindset or the thought set that we want to have based on loving your neighbor as yourself. So the interesting part where I also want to get to, and we're going to talk about it now, so before we continue having further conversation. But if you were to go to Exodus twenty. And if you were brought up in a church and you're brought up in a Christian school or even with parents who really, you know, invested time in teaching you scripture, you will know this is about the Ten Commandments. So when those um, Pharisees came up to and that lawyer said to the Lord, which is the greatest commandment of the law, this is what they were talking about the law, including the other laws that exist even in, in, in Israel's time and how they made decisions, how they judged, how they made choices, how they did other things. But the Ten Commandments was the main concept of what they were mainly talking about. Because remember, they considered Jesus um, basically being a heretic, a false teacher, and someone trying to say that he's the Messiah. He's, he's, he should, like, they need to find a way to get rid of him. But if we were to take what Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself, if you go to the Ten Commandments, you will have a better understanding of what he was emphasizing the two, the two greatest commandments. Okay, he, he, uh, the word is simplifying Ten Commandments, but with the New Testament concept of what he was about to accomplish as Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because if you remember, if you go to Exodus 20, and if you read, it states, you shall have no other gods before me. This is verse 3. You shall not make yourself a carved image or any likeness, whether sky, earth, water, or anything, right? He says, uh, <coughs> basically, you know, God's a jealous God, and he is not happy with that stuff. So then he also says, you shall not take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain, which is something that, you know, I may actually talk about directly, but many, 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 many Christians do this on a daily basis and think nothing of it because Satan has made it seem like it's no big deal. But using God's name in vain, to me, is a big deal. You don't hear people running around saying, oh, Buddha, or 
oh, uh, Muhammad. You don't hear people say that. Because if you were to say that, you know, something, you know, curse word of some sense towards um, Muhammad, you would probably be murdered by a bunch of Muslims because that's how serious they took it. Well, I mean, the Jews didn't even write out God's name clearly out. They didn't use the vowels. So something to think about. But anyway, and it says, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. So the one thing about this that's different, in my opinion, and taken from scripture is, remember, when we accepted Christ, the Holy Spirit dwelled in us. So a lot of times our our body has become the temple of the Lord. But I think it's very important to have a day where we can all come together and worship and prayer and study and dedicate it to God. So I, I do believe the Sabbath day is vital. Um, th- so th- right there, so verse 3 to 8 is all about the Lord, right? Now verse 12 through, uh, I believe it's 17. Yes, 17. Yep. That is the everything that's kind of focused on us to other people. So verse 12. Honor your father and mother that that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. Verse 13, you shall not murder. Verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. Verse 15, you shall not steal. Verse 16, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. So you shouldn't accuse somebody falsely. And then verse 17, you shall not cover your neighbor's house. You shall not cover wife, male, male servant female servant, ox. So in other words, don't covet anything someone else has. How many times do you think people have broken that law, especially in today's culture? So the idea is that the second half is the love your neighbor as yourself concept. So if you can see right there that there is a connection to the Ten Commandments to why Christ said what he said, if we go back to Matthew 22 and 34, you have a better understanding that when he says, love your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, he's being serious about the fact that those first four laws are vital to understanding who God is and the importance of who God is in your life. And it is first because you have, if you do that, if you honor, love, and trust in God 100% in your life, he will show you. He will guide you. He'll give you an understanding. He'll give you wisdom. He'll give you knowledge. He'll give you clarity. He'll show you what he needs to show you at the right time. He will help you through the hard times. Because you remember, there is no promise saying that all the hardships that we go through, God's just going to magically pull you out. No, the only thing he does promise is that as you go through it, he'll be with you. But it doesn't mean that he may not pull you out of it. it. doesn't mean he won't bless you from it. But you got to have understanding. Trusting in him 100% gives you clarity and understanding in how you treat others. How you love your wife. How to be a better husband to her. How to be a father to your kids. How to be a grandfather to your grandkids. How to be a man of God to other men. How to help other men who are struggling. How to help at your job. How to reach out to people in your job. How to make an impact in your community. See, all of that starts with the person who can actually teach you 
I mean, that's the one thing we like. How do people get better at stuff that they do? They learn. And they learn from usually someone who's considered an expert or someone who's a master of it, right? And then if they, as they learn more about it and, and life continues, you continue to learn. So the idea is when we start focusing on B, which is love your neighbor yourself, and surround all of our ideology, all of our standards, all of our systems of thought, all of our philosophy, all of our biblical perspective just around the second part how easy do you think it is to be influenced by stuff that isn't biblical very because i hear people who are calling themselves christian running around saying it's okay for abortion it's okay love is love let the homosexuals love each other let someone who loves someone love them then you're worshiping love. You're not worshiping the Lord and, and God's not first in your life. Love is, you see, you start mixing up the, the, the truth with human philosophy and ideology and worldly truth, not God's truth. Because if you known that the love is love concept wouldn't fit in scripture at all, because God's very clear in his stance on things. And you can only know that if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, because you're spending time studying the scriptures and learning about it. You're not just taking someone else's word, you're looking for yourself. You're seeking out God to teach you. You're asking the Holy Spirit to teach you. You pray on these views. So if you think and believe in lo love is love and that all of that is okay, then this this week's challenge is ask God, prove me wrong that what I've been what what Dito is saying and what your scriptures are saying right now, what he's he's showing me, is it true? Is love love concept not right because it doesn't work because it doesn't fit into your view? Help me to see your worldview and make sure that my worldview reflects that. Make that a challenge for you this week, because maybe that's something you need to be doing, asking the Lord to show himself true to you on views that you may be holding on this whole time, thinking you've been right because, hey, I'm not hurting anyone. Well, loving your neighbor as yourself doesn't mean you don't get hurt. It doesn't mean someone's feelings won't get hurt. But sometimes you need a slap in the back or the face by the Lord to tell you, hey, stop doing that. So if you do that to someone else, it's going to hurt them too. It doesn't mean when you say no to your kid because you believe it's not a wise decision to what they want to do. So you say no. So now they're mad at you and they say they hate you. You see, loving your neighbor as yourself because you love the Lord means sometimes you're not going to fit in the system doesn't always mean you're always going to have peace with the world because technically we never will. It doesn't mean that we're always going to be blessed and never have challenges. It doesn't mean that there's a possibility that your, the, your whole church may despise you because you keep pointing out these scriptural truths so they start pushing out or kicking you out. It doesn't mean that the family who supports homosexuality, but you choose not to, that they may just never invite you to any of the family activities. 
See, the thing is, when you stand for truth, not everybody's going to stand by you or support you or believe in you or support you in the sense like they may actually try to do everything to be against you. See, the possibility is still, there's still going to be a struggle as you make the decision to believe in the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and your mind by loving him 100%. Because there's a lot of harsh stuff in the scriptures that people of this world would think, wow, God is evil. Well, no, he's not evil. He's holy. So what does that say when you start hearing people say, wow, God is evil? If you know your scriptures, you know God is not evil. He is holy. So if he is defying against a worldly view or truth, that means it must not necessarily be holy. Something wrong there. If his word is saying something totally different than what the world is saying is okay. And this is something I want you guys to think about. Challenge yourself this week challenge yourself if there's something that you've been standing on that seems to be like you know most people are agreeing with most of the world is agreeing with and you know you see nothing wrong because if you start saying well it doesn't look like it's hurting anyone that's something you need to really be asking yourself why am i saying those words because i can definitely say hey if i was dating a girl and we lived with each other and we had sex every other day. Well, she's agreed. So I'm not hurting her. So therefore it must be okay. Even though the scriptures say, no, you're not supposed to be having this type of a relationship before marriage. But she agrees. She, she's happy. She's good. She likes it. And she, she loves me and she, and she likes living with me and we have a good relationship. Then get married. See, the thing is, if you're starting to say, well, I didn't hurt anybody or they weren't hurt because they also agreed, doesn't mean that it's right. That's a worldly philosophy. And it's inside our churches. It's inside our Christian worldview. And this is that warning. Catch yourself when you're using those words. Well, it hasn't, I didn't hurt anybody. It didn't hurt anybody when they did it. Did, when you start doing that, you need to go back to your scriptures and study and see what it says. Because maybe if you're starting to do that, that means you're trying to convince yourself that it wasn't necessarily 100% wrong. Just like people who try to use white lies as okay because it was just a tiny fib. But tiny fibs can turn into big fibs. And then you start seeing your kids using the same mythology that you have created. Doesn't mean you're running around telling the truth to everybody left and right. It just means be wise and when you speak up about truth and the timing of when you say it. So I hope this makes it very clear uh, in understanding why we need to, we can't stand behind the golden rule alone. This means that we have to have to, an understanding of who God is for us to be even able to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we can't live behind just straight up standards if we're making them out of truth to make it work for what we want. 
versus actually asking asking God, seeking out his wisdom of understanding so that we speak truth is a different thing. I hope today, I hope that like as you're listening to this, you have chosen that you want to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, everything. And you're seeking that out. And you're asking God to please clarify some of the philosophies I've created for myself, the mythology that I've been teaching my kids just because I don't want to hurt others may not, may not necessarily be correct. I need to be teaching my kids truth. I need to teach myself truth. Show me. And that's what you should be asking God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. I ask that you move hearts today. I ask that you challenge hearts today. I ask you allow them to not stand behind just the golden rule as their standard of teaching. They must love you wholly. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. They have to give you all. Help them to want that wisdom and understanding of who you are. To stand by it. To have a better understanding of what it means to believe in your truth. Live by it. And walk it. And teach it. And, and believe in it. So that they're not easily fooled by what the world keeps trying to show us. To be kind and loving and caring. But only based on don't hurting people. Or love is love. See, Lord, you got to help us to to see the lies from the truths and make sure that we're still walking in the path of the Lord and not the path of the world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope you guys have a great week. I hope this will be a good challenge, and I hope that, well, God will continue to use this podcast to help you, help you guys, help me, and that you will be blessed today. I'll see you guys next time.